Folks, I want to welcome you all to On the Edge with K.A. Owens. I'm K.A. Owens, and you are listening to Forward Radio, WFMP-LP Louisville, 106.5 FM. You can find out a little bit more about the station if you go to forwardradio.org. And we're live streaming now, so if you go to that website, click on a button. You can listen to us on your smartphone, PC, tablet, from anywhere in the world. Folks, we've got Carmen Jones here with us today. Carmen Jones is a young activist from Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, Carmen, welcome to our show. Thank you for having me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, uh, Carmen, you've been sort of prominent uh, in all of these activities surrounding the Breonna Taylor case for the last few months here in Louisville. Uh, so what brought you to that type of activity? What, what in, in your life sort of spurred you to become a part of all of that? I was born black. <laughs> People are always asking me, you know, why, why are you uh, out there? Why are you on these streets? Why are you in an actionist, because I don't like the term activist. So why are you an actionist? Um, simply, I'm born black. You know, um, there. I understand that not everybody ha- is able to be out there on the front lines. I understand that not everybody has the time um, or the know-how or know exactly where they're supposed to be at in the movement. You know what I mean? Um, I fortunately, you know, don't have any kids. I was fortunate enough that whenever the movement started, the first day of the protest, I was able to, you know, quit my job and um, my ancestors and the help of the community you know, I was I, I was able to not able to keep my focus on the movement while not having to worry about where I was going to lay my head, what I, how I was going to eat and stuff like that, because I knew that the community and the help of my ancestors, I was going to be OK. So um, it seems that Breonna Taylor case uh, has resonated with so many people in particular, it's become sort of a. a a, a, a women's issue as well because the young sister was, you know, they say doing everything right and still she ends, end, ended up dead. I don't think it's even so much so as a young sister who was doing everything right because that's my issue now with a lot of with my own people, you know, even to certain black people, only black lives matter. So I don't care if Brianna was this clean cut nurse. I don't care if Brianna was a drug dealer. They still had no right to do what they did to her, period, point blank. At the end of the day, what they did was wrong. There's no black and white to it. You know what I mean? Well, there is a black and white to it. They keep trying to say that there's these gray areas that, you know, gave them the gave them the permissions and the reasons why they barged into her house and did what they did. But even if, like I said, even if Brianna was a drug dealer, it still does not matter. You, there are still certain ways and, you know, human life should still be looked at as human life, regardless of the situation, regardless of the status of that person. So uh, the case has resonated, uh, you know, all across the country, all across the world, really. Uh, I mean, Brianna Taylor's the most famous person from Kentucky right now. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh and then, so you have all these months and months and months of activity, uh, not only here, but all across the country. I mean, in the midst of a pandemic, uh, in the midst of an economic crisis. So um, what do you think enabled this particular issue to sort of take root uh, in the hearts and minds of so many people in spite of the economic crisis or the pandemic? Or, or indeed, was that a part of it? 
Well, you know, that saying, if it ain't one thing, it's another. And, you know, black people, racism was a pandemic that was here on this soil, here in this world, not just this soil, but soil all across the country. Racism was something, a, a pandemic that black and brown people have been facing. Um, it's a it's a pandemic. Racism is a pandemic that allowed for us to already have crappy health care. It was a pandemic, a pandemic that was already allowing for all these all these underlying issues that the rest of the country is now having to face themselves with and stuff like that are issues that we as a people were already dealing with. So whenever this popped off, it's not even so much so as, you know, this was a catalyst to anything. We were already living in these conditions. We were already having to deal with these issues. You know what I mean? And this was just sort of like the match to the kerosene, I guess you can say. So uh, amazing amount of activity, uh, particularly young people, young people of all races, uh, creeds and colors, as, as they say, older people as well. Uh, what was fascinating to me uh, on the day that Attorney General Cameron made his announcement. Um, that was a really tough day. Yes, it, it was a, a very tough day that he was, uh, wasn't going to indict anyone for uh, killing Breonna Taylor. And then charge the city with her death, basically. And then say that that Hankinson would be, would be charged for you know shooting up the drywall. So because mm-hmm. he, he missed he shot a white woman's walls. The walls of a white woman's apartment was more important than Brianna's life. Exactly. But if you listen to the to some of the media interviews on that day, there were people who came to Jefferson Square Park, what we're calling Brianna Square Park, for the first time on that day mm-hmm. because they said. Well, they just wanted to see how the system, what the system was going to do. And then when they saw what it was going to do, that's when, or not do, that's when they came downtown for the first time. And most of the people who came down there, though, they were mostly white people. You know what I mean? And I feel like being down there and seeing that, you know what I mean? A lot of those people who came down there for the first time because they wanted to see what the system was going to do, that's your privilege. Your privilege allows for you to just see what the system's going to do. You know what, you know what, 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 what my privilege, my black privilege gets me? I, I don't get I don't get to see what the system's going to do. I'm chewed up. I'm spit out. It's a re, it's a revolving door cycle. It does not stop unless we're, we are going to be the ones to stop it. But your privilege is the only reason why you were able to sit back this entire movement and decide, oh, I'm going to wait to see what the justice system's going to do. That's not. No, I didn't get that privilege. So and uh, and so the amazing amount of activity. Uh, you had people who moved here. I'm not talking about until freedom, which was a group that came here, but I mean just individuals. Yeah, I don't know a few who just packed their bags from where, wherever they were and came to Louisville because they wanted to stand up for Breonna Taylor. I mean, so what do you make of that? I feel like that, like being somebody who's not from here. I've heard this a lot during this movement this whole entire summer. You know, if you're not from Louisville, you know, they they have a really big issue with strangers. They have a big issue with people coming into the city and stuff like that. Um, so like when being someone who's not from here and hearing people, you know, say if you're not from here, it's different. You don't understand, blah, 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 blah. Yes, I do. I do get it because how I see it is that wherever there's black people at on this planet, not just this country, but this planet, that's my family. So if I have family in Louisiana that needs help, then I'm going down there with my family. I'm not, I'm not no stranger to them. They just, I'm a distant cousin. They ain't met yet. 
that's all that is. You know, if I have family over in over in Nigeria with SARS, I got I'm trying to figure out how I can help out over there without leaving the country because apparently I can't. So, you know, I mean, anywhere black people need help at, that's our family. They're not strangers, you know, um, being someone who was shot, gassed and arrested in the name of Breonna Taylor, who will probably have a record for the rest of my life in the name of Breonna Taylor. Um, I think that it's amazing that people find it in their hearts to pack up their lives and move somewhere else to fight for a cause that they find is important, that they, that they think is bigger than themselves. And they brought their dog. So <laughs> that's, they, they brought the dog with them. So, uh, yes. Yeah, so, uh, uh, so, uh, you know, new leadership emerging, uh, uh some of the old timers, uh, you know, stayed active. Uh, some of the people in their sort of activist prime uh, got involved, but uh, remarkable new leadership, new groups forming. Uh, uh, so tell us what you think of the new groups and the new leaders, and which you're one, but what do you think of all of that? Um, I think the new groups and the new leaders are amazing. I think that um, seeing young people, and, and by young people I mean like ages 16 to like 30, you know, I'm only 24 years old. So to see like there is there's such variety in the age ranges of these young people. You know, what I mean, I think that it's great to see people who are young and who are smart and who are saying, look, um, you guys keep pushing education on us. You keep pushing school on us and we're being educated now. We're we're here. We're learning. You know what I mean? And a lot of us, you know, we're tired of being having education pushed on us going in debt in the name of, you know, trying to change this world only to have older people ignore us. So I think that a lot of the reason why you see this new push for these younger leaders and stuff like that is because, you know, we do have a voice, we have a mind, you know, we have a lot of say so. And a lot of these adults, not adults, because I'm an adult too, <laughs> but a lot of these, the older generation, um, they have these backdoor conversations um, where they're making these laws and they're making these decisions um, about things that are going to affect me and my children's life. And, you know, no offense, but they're halfway to the grave. You know what I mean? Th- these laws and these things, these, these old set in your stone way laws that you guys are coming up with. They don't, they don't resonate with me. That's not something that I would want for me or my family. You know, you like, I'm just really happy that young people are starting to take a, take a charge as far as, you know, saying, Hey, I want to seat at this table. Hey, you need to listen to me. Um, I'm really excited to see where all the groups are going to go in the future. Um, these younger groups and these younger leaders, myself included, we have a lot of work to do. Um, we have a lot of knowledge to gain. We have a lot of experience to gain. Um, I'm someone who really does believe, you know, in the African proverb, it takes a village. I'm still a child. I will not say that I'm not, you know what I mean? Even though I'm grown by law, I'm still a child. And I really do, um, lean on and require my village to do the things that I do every single day to get up every single day and be the person that I am. It take it really does take my village. So one of the new groups is one that you're in. So tell us about it. Um, okay. So I founded, uh, the black woman's collective, um, with, uh, Imani Smith and Cheyenne Osla. I wanted to have a, I wanted to basically take the platform that I've gotten this summer, um, by using my voice and by speaking up to, basically give my platform to other black women to make a platform of their own to start speaking up and creating social change. Um, because Brianna is a woman and, you know, a lot of the men don't like to hear this. You know, they, they say that, you know, you're turning this into a feminist movement, this, that, and third, but it's not a feminist movement. Um, I think that it's something that should have been said a long time ago. Black women, we are the 
lowest of the lowest when it comes to you know out of all the marginalized groups you have your lgbtqs you have your you have your um your blacks your asians you have your hispanics you know what i mean but it but at some point black people as a whole we are at the lowest when it comes to being in marginalized groups but even men are still you know the patriarchy allows for you guys to have some type of footing over us you know what i mean so black women we literally are the lowest of the low i wanted to be able to have a platform for black women to say hey my voice is important hey you know don't just look at me whenever i'm being shot and i'm on tv don't just come out here and fight for me now and it's basically a way for us to teach people what it means to really stand with black women because a lot of people say you know oh i stand with black women because they wear the shirt or they wear the pin standing with black women is more than just wearing a shirt it's more than just wearing a pin it's a lifestyle you know what i mean if you're not going to love the hoes as much as you love the church mothers then you don't stand with black women black women we are constantly demonized we're constantly um criticized and called you know just all types of slanderous names for just living our lives and then we'll turn around and you'll see white women culture vulture turn it around and call it fashion. You know what I mean? They're praised for it. So basically, I just wanted to have a platform where, it's at, where I say, hey, you know, just as much as you respect this church mother and you think that her opinion about, you know, ways of we can change the society is important, this stripper over here, this mother of two who is stripping and stuff like that to take care of her kids, guess what? She may have some really important stuff that we could use to, to change this community. Maybe she don't want to be doing this stuff. And if she does want to live this lifestyle, that doesn't mean that her mind is any more, is any less than what mine is just because I choose not to be in that lifestyle. So basically, I wanted to have a platform for for all black women of every background, every creed to come together to, you know, show community and love on each other because I really do believe that black liberation first starts with liberating the black woman. Um, in Louisville, I see in for the past few months, I really see in, in a lot of ways the the movement for Justice for Breonna Taylor dominated by women. Uh, really uh in a, in a very public way, in, a, uh, in reality, in a public way, behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, whereas in the past, like 20 years ago, I don't know. And, of course, that was before you were paying attention <laughs> to things, but uh, I don't know whether that was that way before. And I, uh, even to be honest, since uh, Trayvon and Ferguson, I see uh, uh, black female leadership, women of color leadership, uh, uh uh, I see it more prominent in a way that it wasn't before. And I, 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 and I, and I have been paying attention, even though I wasn't alive, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. You know, I read. Okay. And, um, like, I've read Elaine Brown's autobiography, and I've read um, Asada Shakur's biography. And um, I think that more of our younger leaders should read these biographies of our older leaders because it shows you in a lot of ways that they were human. You know, uh, Elaine Brown, she was an adulterer. You know what I mean? But she was also this bomb, you know, let's go get them, let's change uh, in white supremacy type of chick. You know what I mean? So um, it's just it just shows that duality. Uh, but also it also shows, you know, that women weren't really at the forefront. Elaine Brown did for a second. She did run the Black Panther Party because Huey got locked up. Um, but outside of that, outside of like Elaine Brown and and Angela Davis, as far as the civil rights movement, I'm not talking about pre-Reconstruction era, pre, you know, slave era. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about civil rights movement you don't really hear too many women's names. And if there are women, there are, there are more prominent women's names that I could say, but a lot of people aren't going to know who they are because they aren't taught the way that the men are taught. 
and even in, and even in a way men the men aren't even taught the way that they should be taught but if the men aren't being if if black male history isn't being taught right then you know black women's history is not being taught right and the fact that black history as a whole is being used as a is is taught as an elective just goes to show there's no there's no time to teach about black women in these schools so and i think there was a feeling at one time that uh, there was a desire to, among black folk, uh, to have a prominent black male leader. And so in that, in that sort of cause of having prominent black male leaders, uh, women would work behind the scenes so that the world would have, you know, a prominent and uh, black male leader or leaders. And now the historical circumstances have changed. Mm-hmm. And... And black women are playing a role that's needed. That is, their their leadership is needed and required to sort of move the situation forward. And that requires uh, black women to be, you know, out front. You know, as I talk about one of the organizations I'm in, uh, Kentucky Alliance Against Racist and Political Repression, and what I've said is, uh, like, the women are the front, the back, and the side of the organization uh, at this time in history. And that's not bad. It's and, not bad. It's yeah. not. And actually, before society was ever patriarchal, society was matriarchal. Before, like I was telling, joking with somebody today, and I was like, you know, I when I blame white people for everything. When the weather's acting up, to my man acting up. If the weather's acting up, I know somebody over here got the weather machine, and y'all the ones who are controlling whether it snows or it rains. Black people don't gotta have access to no weather machines to decide whether or not uh, Katrina's gonna get another hurricane. I mean, not Katrina, but New Orleans gonna get another hurricane. We don't have resources to that, and. Like I said, society was once matriarchal before white colonization and and came over and it taught... I really do believe that white patriarchy taught black men how to treat their women. So, yes, when my man is acting up, it's white people's fault. Well, there's a whole, like, uh, academic discourse on a lot of American black male behavior, uh, particularly in regards to uh, solving personal differences with violence. It doesn't come from Africa. It comes from imitation Southern white male mm-hmm. behavior. Uh, for a long time, you know, in American history, uh, the, the American South was regarded as the most violent part of the country. Southern white males uh, are settling personal differences outside the law, you know, without calling the sheriff. That is, uh, you know, you know, uh, differences... Uh, personal differences, uh, somebody was insulted or somebody's sister was insulted, uh, southern white males, they didn't call a sheriff. They just handled it the way they wanted to handle it. Yeah. And so, and that uh, black males uh, uh, are imitating, uh, in some respects, what they saw. Uh, uh, and so, yes, there's a whole a- academic discourse around that. So, uh, so here we are, uh, uh, I guess you'd call it the the fall of 2020, it's starting to get cold in Louisville, Kentucky. People have got their hoodies out so and, and coats. Uh, uh, what do you see next? I mean, at this time, the, some of the big uh, elements, uh, artistic elements from, uh, you know, Breonna Square and Justice Square Park and Jefferson Square Park have been moved to Roots 101. Uh, what do you see? I mean... Uh, I feel like this era is the Cold War era. Um which is, you know, we had our summer of riots. Now it's time to start working on policy changes and what policies we want to change. It's time to start educating um, our younger leaders on 
how to go about policy change, um, start pushing more of these people who, who have made a footing this summer um, and made a name for themselves into, you know, these offices. We got 16 Metro Council seats that we have to take because Anthony, with the bad last name, thinks that it's funny to make Twitter posts um, basically saying, you know, I voted for the FOP contract and if you don't like it, take my seat. So, yes, we have a lot of work to do. Um, now it's time to start um, work. Focusing on changing these policies, um, like I said, it's the Cold War era. But honestly, with the way the summer happened, Sixth and Jefferson will never be the same again. The courthouse will never look the same again. That is the designated kicking spot. Whenever we are all sad, whenever we're depressed and stuff like that, that's where everybody goes. Just because they took the main pieces from the square away, I don't think the square is ever going to die. And if it does die out, it's going to take a while. And I think the next summer is probably going to be reju- rejuvenated again. So. Right, and because of uh, global warming, uh, winter is not as long as, exactly. it, as it used to exactly. be. Exactly. So, uh, so here we are, uh, starting to get cold. The, the pandemic has not resolved itself. Uh, the economy has not resolved itself for white or black or like. Uh, 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 we have a president elect, kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but the uh, the one who holds the spot hasn't hasn't agreed to move out on January twentieth. So, so uh, what do young people make of all that? Uh, young people are just laughing at it. To be honest with you, um, we we make jokes of civil war, um, but my generation we joke about everything. So we joked about coronavirus when it first came. Um, I don't think that. I honestly don't understand it, and I, to be honest with you, I really don't care because they're both. Joe Biden is an in closet racist. Trump is just an out of closet racist. So I honestly could care less who has the whole, who holds the presidential seat. Does not matter to me. I'm more concerned with why the hell, why we let Mitch in office. Uh, well, so uh, so oh yes, um, uh, for uh, forward radio. Uh, uh, we don't endorse uh, or support political parties or candidates. Of course, the election is over, but uh, we support no political party or uh, uh, candidate. Um, so, um, so uh, yes. So, uh, um, so what about you? I mean, uh, what what about uh, uh, what about Carmen? Uh, what what do you see as your future with the uh, the movement? Honestly, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out where my place is. Um, before the movement, I was planning on leaving Louisville, moving. I'm a military brat, so I don't like staying in one place for too long. I'm just not used to it. But since the movement, um, I'll probably stay here and do some work in Kentucky um, and see where I go from there. So, Okay. So, folks, uh, this is Forward Radio, WFMP-LP Louisville. Broadcasting on 106.5 FM, uh, Forward Radio. You're listening to On the Edge with K.A. Owens. I'm K.A. Owens, and we're here with, uh, you know, up-and-coming young activist Carmen Jones. Um, uh, how, what is your relationship with, uh, you know, with people that uh, either have been in the movement longer or that you might call elders uh uh, are just people who have been around longer than you have. Do you feel that they've been helping? They're making a contribution. 
Um, for the most part, yeah. You know, I, I've had my my bumps in the road with you know you know human interaction. People get into it sometimes. You know, I've had my fair share of that. But for the most part, um, I have really solid elders in my corner. I'm very thankful for my elders. Um, like I said, it takes a village to raise a child. I'm still the child, and they are my village. Um, very grateful for them. Very honored to have them in my life. Um, they uh, they do provide a lot of insight, uh, and they. They're like my friends, but they're not because, you know, they're older. But since the beginning of the protest, I was never one to really hang out with the people who were my age down at the square. I'm always around older women, just sitting around them, trying to absorb what they're saying, the knowledge that they got to kick off. Like, And I've learned a lot, and I'm really thankful. Um, so, yeah, elders are important, but I feel like um, some elders have to learn that just as important are the elders to the community cycle, so are the young people. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Well, uh, it's been remarkable to me. Uh, uh, of course, with the with uh, all this happening during the midst of the coronavirus crisis, uh, there's the question of, uh, you know, coming down, getting involved with people, of course, the good thing about the park, of course, it's outside, so it's a, uh, it's not like um, being in a sort of a closed-in space. Uh, uh, so uh, people were taking a risk uh, just by sort of getting involved, and were some of the older older activists. I mean, I'm talking about '60s, '70s, still willing to come down and do what they can do. That's that's what I. That's what's amazing to me. Uh, they know they're taking a risk, but they, they, they feel like it's worth it. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, uh, of course, I know some just don't feel like uh, they can take the risk, uh, either because of age or because of pre-existing conditions and so on and so forth. And I, I, I respect that, too, because uh, there are other ways. You know, everybody can't be at the square. Everybody can't march. Uh, uh but there are other ways for people to, to make a contribution. And, and I can understand people being afraid uh, as well. I understand their fear. Now, here's a note. One thing, I don't see, like, the female leaders wearing helmets, uh, protective equipment. Am I right or wrong on this? Very few. I'm talking about... To no, protect we, from we the, don't. From the we don't police. really wear stuff, and if we do, it's mostly just the vest. If we do wear anything, it's just the vest. Okay. Um, yeah, we. It's too hard to run and all that stuff. For one, that's how I got arrested. Um, yeah. Uh, no, we don't. I don't wear it. I'm not scared when I'm out there. I am divinely protected by my ancestors. Um, I know that anything could happen to me at any point, given time. I understand that, and I'm okay with that. Um, but I don't feel the need to have all that stuff on me. Um, my destiny was predetermined before I came back to the physical realm. So I walk in faith. That uh, is my protection. I understand. Uh, uh, God bless you. So, folks, we're here with Carmen Jones. Uh, 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 with the the Black Women's Collective, is it? Black Women's Collective, yeah, BWC. So... 
Are you looking for new members? Do you have meetings and you want people to contact you? Do you want to get involved with that? Um, yeah, we are going to be looking for members here real soon. We took some time. October was a very busy month for us. I was working on the McGrath campaign, so it was kind of weird between camp campaigning, you know, organizing a campaign and organizing the community. There was just a lot going on for me. And then there was a lot going on for my co-founders as well. Um, but we are in the process of recruiting for our, um, uh, for our board. Once we have the board a little more solidified and structured as far as, you know, who's going to be controlling events, who's going to be over money, who's going to be do this, that, and third. Once we have all those positions solidified, then we'll start recruiting for new members because we have a lot of things that we want to, um, do by the end of next year. And it's going to take the community's help because like I said, it's called the black women's collective for a reason. I would never want to do anything individually by myself at all. Um, the only way that I can know how to service my community is by working with my community. Um, if I don't work with my community, I don't know what they need or how what, what I can do to help them, how I can help them. Um, so, yes, we will definitely be looking for members soon. You can follow us on all platforms at BWC for Change. That's at BWC for Change. You can email us at stand up. Stand up. Scratch that. Don't listen to that because I can't remember what the email is off the top of my head. But our email is on all of our social media accounts. So please feel free to follow us, connect with us. Um, we want to network with any and everybody. We do. We hope to have by the end of next year a black woman's complex. Um, we're looking for a five story uh, space where we can have um, either a five story, one five story building or something set up kind of like Lyle's Mall where you have um we have a free store specifically with women's products, diva cups, pads, clothes, formula, breast pumps, baby clothes, all the types of stuff. So free store for women and children's products. Um, then we also want a clinic specifically a clinic that is specifically for women, but with an interest in black women, because one thing that's really, you know, ironic about Brianna is that she was working for the same institution that um, she was working for an institution that killed black women at the same rate that police killed black men just for them, for her. Folks, I want to thank uh, Carmen Jones for being here with us today. You've been listening to On the Edge with K.A. Owens. We'll be back next week.